Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Boys America listeners, welcome to my 422nd ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern time. We broadcast live from Boston, from Florida, excuse me, to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is, again, the ageless wonder Tom Brady bringing his bucks to the NFC Championship game against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in the frozen tundra next Sunday at 3 p.m. So last night was a vintage Brady performance. As a longtime Patriot season ticket member, I've been watching it up close and personal for 20 years, hard to believe. And lo and behold, uh, got to witness it again this time and on TV in uh Seeing him in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform still kind of takes some getting used to, but uh, down here in the Tampa area and was at an absolutely uh, great setting to watch the game, and it was just a classic Brady performance. He is, uh, you know, not not one of his best statistic-wise, but he was. The recipient of, you know, a spectacular defensive effort that produced four turnovers, three picks against Drew Brees, and then a fumble as well. And he cashed in on all of them, and that's exactly what Brady does. One of the great opportunists, among uh, one of many on the long list of his uh, talents. Uh, and he cashed in on points on every single one of those turnovers and that was clearly the difference in the game and the Bucks defense just came up huge and uh, it was just fabulous to see people in Tampa are just in full-blown Brady and Bucks mania Keep in mind, they hadn't even made the playoffs for the past 13 years until last week when they went against Washington. Uh, Then they slayed their personal dragon last night, the New Orleans Saints, who beat them up twice this week. And I think uh, they've beaten the Bucs basically every time they played them for the past three years. But last night was a different story. And uh, so people around the Tampa Bay area are really excited. Don't forget, of course, the Super Bowl is here in just a little under three weeks. Hard to believe, February 7th at Raymond James Stadium. And 
Now the hot topic of will the Bucks become the first team in NFL history to play a Super Bowl in their own stadium. It's never happened. And uh, they have to get through the Packers, obviously. And the Bucks just manhandled the Packers uh, back earlier in the season. I think it might have been around October. And the Packers come into Raymond James, scored the first 10 points, and the Bucks reeled off 38, repeat, 38 straight points against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and just blew them away. So, so that's out there. And it was, uh, you know, and now that they've, you know, again, gotten the monkey off their back with beating the Saints, who really did a number on them again twice this year and just seemed to own the Bucks in recent years. Uh, now that they have that off the table, uh, it makes you believe anything is possible. And that's really the pervasive feeling down here that, you know, anything is possible. I mean, Tom Brady's the quarterback. Need we say more? Um, and going into Lambeau for Aaron Rodgers' first time ever hosting the NFC Championship game. It seems like a really tall task. Uh, but the feeling around here is, is that the Bucks are... Uh, in a great position to do it. And, of course, who would you rather have uh, leading your team into that game than Tom Brady, obviously. So it is going to be uh, a pretty special championship Sunday, uh, to say the least. Um, Brady is going to his 14th NFC, or N slash AFC, 14th conference championship game. Uh, still taking, still, old habits die hard, still takes a little getting used to to say he's going to the NFC championship game. But he is. And uh, the fact he's going to his 14th, it, it's just absurd. Uh, I think he has more wins, which is like nine, because he's been to nine Super Bowls, won six of them. Uh, I think the most conference title games that any other quarterbacks ever gone to or anybody for that matter I believe is seven so he has more wins in conference championship games than anybody else has even appearances so I've been saying this for a couple of years of a, uh, from up in Boston that you know uh, every time Brady steps on the field he's just setting records and that's exactly what he's doing last night another case in point so it's going to be lots of fun, um, just a, a great game. They're already looking at uh, last forecast I saw, 24 degrees and snow. Uh, on the surface, you would one might say that, uh, you know, that, that favors the Packers over, quote, the Tampa Bay Bucks from Florida. But then again, uh, here we are back to Brady. Uh, in my mind, the greatest snow player ever. I was at the Snow Bowl, the tuck rule game, and I witnessed many other games in the snow and the cold up in Foxborough where Brady was playing. And uh, even though he's from California, uh, he's always performed tremendously in the snow and the cold. So he's really, really used to it. Uh, Aaron Andrews in the post game did make a reference when she was interviewing Brady that he had said apparently recently that uh, his blood had thinned out. 
down here in Florida, which does happen. I used to live here and my blood thinned out years ago when I lived in the Gulf Coast of Florida. And uh, But I don't think that's going to be a concern for Tom Brady on Sunday. I really don't. So that's going to be a terrific NFC Championship game. And now we have, uh, you know, the rest of the weekend, uh, which was great. Four games. It was awesome and leads into my low light of the week, which is, of course, the touchback rule derailing the Browns as they were within a half yard of a touchdown late in the first half versus the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. They make that play or they don't lose the ball, even if it's not a touchdown, if they simply don't lose the ball. Uh, they're right back in it, and that game could take a different turn, especially the way it turned out with Patrick Mahomes having to leave in the second half with uh, concussion, apparently. But bottom line, I've always wondered about uh, that particular ruling that you know we've all seen it before. When we, I think uh, many of us have wondered, like it's such a stiff penalty where. Uh, player fumbles the ball and it goes into through the end zone and it is awarded to the other team as a touchback who gets on the 20 or 25, whatever. And it always just felt, uh, you know, more onerous than other rulings. Um, so, uh, a lot of chatter this morning as you're all hearing on changing that rule and maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but again, it, it does, Again, I've always wondered about it. I I know the rule well, so when I saw it happen yesterday and previously, I knew what the call would be, that the team had fumbled, loses the ball, and the other team gets it. But hopefully, hopefully, you know, they maybe give that another look. And also, uh, the phrase cannot be reviewed, that play cannot be reviewed. Uh, I would just love to see that just disappear from the... Uh, from the English language, to me, there is every year, every game, you know, constantly, year in, year out, just stuff we've never seen before. So in my mind, it just begs the opportunity to simply have everything be reviewable under even like a, a special circumstance rule or something. But I think it's just really frustrating because in the aftermath, of course, of the fumble through the end zone yesterday, it turns out that replays, as they often do, showed what appeared to be a hit to the head, which would have been a penalty on the Chiefs, which would have given, I believe, given the ball back uh, to the Browns, perhaps as close as the one-yard line. I mean, I'm just... uh, So... Crazy play, but there's always crazy plays. Every weekend, there's a, at least one crazy play, and uh, and it often spills into the playoffs as well, as we all know. And my bizarre story of the week is uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, winning when they picked off Lamar Jackson uh, for a 101-yard interception slash return to turn the tide of that game. And uh, I I, I don't think Lamar Jackson had ever thrown an interception in the red zone. So to have his first one be that in a playoff game with 101-yard return to basically 
alter the game and win the game for the Bills was pretty amazing to see. So now we have the Bills and the Chiefs, Bills at the Chiefs in Kansas City. Uh, Of course, the whole football world is watching the status of Patrick Mahomes, uh, who did leave the game yesterday with a concussion. So will he be ready for next Sunday? That is the burning question of the week. Uh, We'll see how it all develops. Uh, And that, that, Looks like a great game, so Championship Sunday looks awesome with Bills Chiefs uh, as the late game and Packers Bucks as the early game. So now let's take our break. Next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers, uh, yet again, national champion Alabama football and many other sports as well. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Where's America listeners? Welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? 
Hey, I'm doing fine, John. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you for joining us, as always, and I'm sure you've had a good week because Alabama won another national championship last Monday night in a mm-hmm. uh, solid victory over uh, Ohio State, and Devontae Smith more than lived up to uh, being a worthy recipient of the Heisman, but you're the expert. Let me get right on to you and get your thoughts uh, Special program down there and a really special coach. John, it was unbelievable the way Devontae Smith was able to blossom completely because the injury to Jalen Waddle. He never Correct. won the Heisman. And he, he, John, he won every offensive award, plus his position award, the Litnikoff Award as the best receiver. I'm not sure we're going to ever see that again unless another receiver is the recipient. Uh, you could see one, for instance, with a running back or a quarterback, I, I guess, as well. But he won every single offensive award. I mean, the player of the year uh, is what I speak of specifically. The Walter Camp, the, I think, a Sporting News, Associated Press. I don't think receivers ever won the Associated Press. I mean, he set all kind of milestones. You know, the Heisman, the Maxwell, um, you know, first team All American. He, he was on every team, so that's a uh, unanimous All American. Uh, so what he did was fabulous. You know, he set the single game mark with 15 catches along the way in the single season, and uh, he has the career record for receptions at Alabama. Uh, he would have set the single year, I think, if he played a game or two more, or even if he went in the second half. Because I think he had 105 going into the game. He had 12. He was up to, what, 117. I think the record's 225 or 227. I mean, or 127. I think he might have gotten that in the second half. He probably would have had over 10, uh, 20 catches if they needed him. And, you know, he had a dislocated finger they couldn't repair. But, you know, Ohio State, the defensive plan, if you see a linebacker on Devontae, that, that's that's not acceptable. I mean, it's not acceptable to even have a linebacker on Najee Harris, probably, but to have one on Devontae Smith, there's no way, no how that's going to be successful. And, John, think about this. Uh, Mac Jones set the record at 464 yards for the game, one more than Joe Burrow, five touchdowns, and he's going to tell his children if he has them and grandchildren, I was not the MVP. (laughs) That's right. Perfectly said, as as you often do. You know, yeah, that that should have been John. That should have been a co MVP. I'm sorry. That, that had to be a co MVP. I mean, you can't just uh, dismiss that performance by Mac Jones. I mean, he they kept scoring without Devontae. Correct. And, and, exactly. and then Mac set, set the national record of 77 point something or other percentage all time record uh, of completions for a season. And he had, I think, it was 80 percent in that game. 36 for 45, I believe, was. Yeah, it's pretty ironic in that, you know, he had, you know, one of the greatest years in college football history, but yet uh, the very person he was throwing to, which contributed to him having one of the great years in college football history, uh, was the guy who deservedly has garnered all the attentions <laughs> and the awards, the the Heisman and whatnot. Right. And, you know, for yeah. Devontae... Uh, I mean, what he did in the first half, again, just startling. It's too bad he couldn't have played the second half because he would have truly, truly, um, 
you, you know, just set potentially records that would live forever, given how the I, night was I going. So. And it would yeah, have been just I, I so perfectly so. appropriate. What I love about the story, yeah. AP, is pretty simply, you, you know, mm-hmm. for him to just, like, win the Heisman and then go out with that performance, to, like, leave no doubt, not that there was <laughs> any. In fact, people genuinely <laughs> seemed happy to have a non-quarterback win it and whatnot, and this guy in particular, yeah. given his yeah. skill his and his personality. And yeah. to just see a guy win the award and then go out with that kind of a performance was, I just thought, just so perfect, you know, to leave no doubts with anybody who the best college football player was. But back to Mac Jones, I mean, he was just a razor-thin margin behind him. And again, he helped, they helped create each other's legend. If ever there was a year that you would have loved to have seen co-Heisman winners, this would have been it. It would have been, you know, teammates. (laughs) This would have been the year for that. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that would have been incredible. Yeah, they're tied at the hip, and they always will be. Yeah. But, yeah. but, you know, Mac Jones, uh, his statistics are just, again, he bro- what can you say? He broke a lot of Joe Burrow's records, or and basically at the end yeah. of last year, everybody agreed. We had seen the greatest college football season by a quarterback ever and probably would never see it again. And here we see it basically right. almost, almost a year later, you know. Or, right. Arguably as good a year, shall we say, Joe, Joe Burrow like. Oh, oh, yeah, for certain. And then, of course, at Alabama, I always look at it in the context of the school, and he's the first one to reach four thousand uh, yards at Alabama, and he, he did it in only. Uh, well, I think he might have did it in twelve games. I can't recall if he did it in just the twelve, but that, that would have been just the regular season twelve games. But they ended up playing you know, 13 for the SEC championship and the two college football playoffs. So, I mean, it's like the time I remember Joe Namath going over 4,000 yards. That was the first time in 1967. And uh, the other thing about this, John, is it's Smith and Jones. You'll never forget it, right? It's so easy to remember. Smith and Jones. I like that, AP. Uh, Smith and Jones. That, that's good. It sounds like a generic law firm. Um, <laughs> right, right. It, it's it's not good at Jones and Smith. It's Smith and Jones. That, that's Smith. what it's, it sounds right. like for some reason. I don't know why. I guess that's why no, I, I, I hear you. Yeah, Smith and Jones. No, it, yeah. it's it's perfect actually. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then you know you you mix in Najee Harris who. Yeah. Boy, oh boy! I mean, to say he's he he is going to be, I think, a terrific NFL player. I mean, like game changing, you know, epic NFL player. I I just he he has it all. He had you know, he had the signature play of the college football season, I believe, when he did the hurdle against Notre Dame. I think that's yeah. the play we're going to remember, and good for him. He deserves that. You know, he deserves oh, a yeah. take home as moment as well. And he got it. Yeah, he was sensational, John. And, of course, I've known him since he's in high school. And right, to see him get that record, break the, the career rushing yardage at Alabama in less carries than Derrick Henry. And I'll repeat that, in less carries than Derrick Henry. And then have the uh, SEC championship game and the two playoff games. You know, Najee, when he was called upon, he played well against the toughest opponents. That, that's what I. That's what I always remember about Najee. That when his number was called, 
he was there. He gave it everything and had, you know, some of his top performances. Exactly right. Yes. The, you know, and the, what other attribute do you seek in an athlete more than that? They play their best in the biggest games. That, to me, is the number one attribute yeah. you would seek in any athlete. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and certainly he did that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for these guys, you know, for them, you know, you mentioned breaking Derrick Henry's record in less carries. That's amazing. But, you know, for these guys to break, given the lineage and the history of and the excellence of Alabama football, just breaking their records is a very, very notable achievement. But then you pile yeah. on top of that, you know, national type records or awards and uh, it just makes it all all the more special. So, and then, you know, we can't, can't talk too much further without talking about Nick Saban, what he has done now. Six yes. national championships at Alabama, seven overall, if I'm not mistaken. Tough to keep track. Yes. But, yes. You know, he's now routinely held, you know, he, Belichick, and Brady have all just finally reached their GOAT status. You, you know, there's no... Not many arguments left. It's just no. assumed and agreed upon by most people that, you know, greatest quarterback, greatest college coach, greatest NFL coach, that's that. And there's not a whole lot more arguing going on anymore. So Nick Saban has arrived at that point. Uh, he was practically there. Yeah. This one puts him there, in my mind, for sure. And they're saying it in Alabama, which, is, which had a guy named Bear Bryant, so... Right, right. And, and I would always just bring up this fact. I always bring up these things of four, four facts about Coach Bryant and Nick Saban. I say that Coach Bryant, when he was trying to win national championships, there were a legitimate about 20 Hall of Fame coaches trying to do the same. Woody Hayes, Tom Osborne, and Bob Devaney, and Bud Wilkinson, and Barry Switzer, John McKay, John Robinson, Bo Schembecker, uh we said Woody Hayes already, uh, Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, uh, Eric Parsegian. Uh, I'm trying right. to think who else I have on that list. I mean, you have you know Vince Dooley won a championship at Georgia. Um, but if you look at that list, it's about 20 of them. And some of them did not reach that goal. You know, Lou Holtz is in there as well. Some of them didn't reach that goal. So, and those right. were guys with, I mean, when I say legitimate, I don't mean qualifying for the college football of him with the minimum 60% winning, winning, uh, uh, winning number. I mean, guys that you feared when you uh, coached against them. And if you look at Nick Saban, he's had to contend with, you know, Pete Carroll for a little, a little bit, Bob Stoops, um, Jimbo Fisher won a title. Dabo Sweeney, of course. We don't know about Kirby Smart yet, but it's a very small number of people you fear. I mean, there's nobody on the West Coast you fear. You know, you right. have Oklahoma uh, with Lincoln Riley. He has good offense. Defensively, they can't compete at this time. So far, so far. But So I bring that point. And then Coach Bryant only had African-American players the last 12 years while he was at Alabama. The third thing is in this system with Nick Saban, you can lose a game and have a chance to be in the playoff. Whereas at Alabama in that era, if you lost the game, maybe you're contending, maybe you're not. So there was high pressure every year when uh, Alabama was trying to win a championship. If you lost a game, you may be out of the national championship hunt. 
if somebody went undefeated. Then the fourth thing is, is Nick Saban, Nick Saban brought this up, and I had said this many times on the radio in the past, the attraction of Alabama would not be the same if Alabama uh, did not have those six national championships with Coach Bryant. Correct. Yes. Yes, it was just something to shoot for. Uh, and living it every day. I mean, you know, he was in the shadow of Coach Bryant. Uh, that is no longer the case. Uh, but he was. Right. And, you know, and nobody cast a longer shadow in the history of college football than Bear Bryant, obviously, for so many no. reasons. No. <laughs> beyond wins and yeah. losses. Yeah. He, right, you're right. Yeah, beyond that, right? He, he was a character. You'll never see yes. his likes again. Uh, the way he phrased things, what he would say during press conferences, I mean, his humor and his, uh, his uh, uh, sense of humor was, was something else. And he was a towering figure, you know, a big man, a big, big 6'3", six, 6'4", six man, and uh, played at Alabama. And, you know, he's from Arkansas. I mean, just, you know, not even from the state of Alabama, but had this admiration for Alabama living in Arkansas during the – uh, those uh, dep- dep- depression era and they ended up there in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, he's always associated with Alabama, even though he's from Arkansas. Just like Nick Saban, he'll be, always be associated primarily with Alabama, even though he's from West Virginia. Right, exactly. And yeah, Nick Saban from West Virginia. Right, Nick Saban from West Virginia. Well, I've always rooted for him because I uh, spent time there. So, uh, right in the area right. he's from. Uh, northern West Virginia and right near Morgantown. Right. So it's great. Well, you know, to sum it up, as we go to our break, I mean, Bear Bryant is to college football what Vince Lombardi is to the NFL, period. He may not have the most yeah. wins and all those things. It's not about statistics. It's about, to steal your term, AP, perfectly said, towering presence. And uh, they are alone in the, on their own pedestal. Um, to say the least. Uh, well, AP, this is a great wrap-up. We still have more to get to. I mean, I think we, you know, you could just talk about it all day long. Heck, you could just talk about the records uh, all day long. But for now, we need to take our break. Still a lot more to get to on the other side. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mac. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now back to the show voice america listeners welcome back to segment three of all around sports and i'm your host john inglesby to join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we, of course, spent the previous segment talking about the team you cover for years, Alabama, in the afterglow of their sixth national championship under Nick Saban. And AP, uh, you know, you've had a week to reflect. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you just have a lot of thoughts. You've kind of lived it throughout your life to a large degree. Alabama football excellence. And Bear Bryant, Nick Saban, and everybody in between. And what are your thoughts as you've kind of just reflected back on, uh, on what you've witnessed throughout most of your lifetime from Alabama football? Yeah, John, I always tell people I did not realize I would see two golden eras uh, with Alabama football in my lifetime with Coach Bryan and Nick Saban. And I think that it's just the fact that in Alabama, if you're not winning, it's going to be unpleasant. And they're going to find the person that gets them on that path to getting near the championship and eventually winning the national championship. So that's the way it is with all the great franchises in the pros that they still have the same type of leadership with the Celtics and the Lakers and all these other teams that have come along. I mean, the Patriots are in that position right now and of course the Green Bay Packers years ago, but it starts at the top of leadership. And one thing I'm starting to hear about that Alabama or anybody who's been in that position is not good for the game of college football because they're dominating. But look at all these other blue-blooded programs, USC and Texas and Penn State and, and Florida State's kind of a nouveau riche and Miami nouveau riche and uh, Michigan yep. is a blue blood. Uh, Oklahoma's a blue blood. And, you know, they're not winning national championships. Well, I don't have any sympathy because they know how to win. It's been done there before with the right leadership and recruiting and developing those players that Alabama has just done it to uh, – uh, you know, just way above everybody else, you know, and like Gene Stallings, uh, he once said something that I think is relevant to this conversation. He says, you don't have to flaunt your success, but you don't have to apologize for it either. Perfectly said. So I just think that, 
you know, Alabama, you know, that's always been their goal since the 20s when they had the national championships. And no other school could say that from the 20s and 30s and 40s, uh, the 60s, the 70s, the 90s, and then now in these couple of decades of this century. So, I mean, Notre Dame, I mean, they're still trying to get there. And I think Notre Dame is close. I really think Notre Dame, with a few more people on the perimeter, uh, offensively and defensively. I mean, John, think about this. The people who write these stories that Notre Dame can't win because of the academics, they're making the playoffs one of four teams up with 130. How, how could how, That's not logical to make that claim. When you're one of four teams that's uh, playing for the championship a couple times now, however many times that's been with under Brian Kelly. So they're close. They just have to need a few more players. They're on the right path. And this idea about academics is slowing them down. Well, name a program that's had 100 years of promotion in 50 states. No one else could claim that, uh, that I know of, one school. Oh, absolutely. No, they, they are unique, to put it mildly. And uh, no, they're, they're back into the national picture and total prominence again. They're making CFP playoff appearances. They're just having the misfortune of running into Alabama. It's just that simple, or or, yeah. or to a degree, Clemson. Simply better teams. I don't think Notre Dame has anything to apologize for. Um, no, I don't either. They're, no, they're back in the national conversation. You, you know, and it's all about making the playoff, and they've been making the playoffs. So it's just just that simple. And uh, yeah, I agree. You know, and I've I agree with everything you said. You know, to me, at the end of the day. It's really about ratings and, you know, nobody gets ratings like Dynasty because half the people love to watch them and half the people hate to watch them, but they all tune in, period. That's it. They watch. And that, that of course, is what feeds, you know, that's what feeds the beast, whether it's college football or the NFL or any other sport for that matter, baseball, Yankees, 60s, as you mentioned, Um, because people tune in and that, of course, you know, makes the leagues grow and salaries grow and on and on and on. It's all about eyeballs and dynasties draw eyeballs like nothing else. Just that simple. No, no. And the, the, the ratings were the lowest in I think 18 or 20 years, whatever it was, but I saw that. uh, And I, I, I found that fascinating because here you have the sec who's been on the scene for quite a while now. And then you have the big 10 that they, that's a huge audience in that part of the country. And, you know, the Ohio State's probably, I think Ohio State holds the lead in victories over Michigan, I think, even though Michigan, I think, has the most wins. I think that's correct. But they have here the you most have wins Ohio State of any State college program, Michigan. Right, Michigan does have the most wins, not championships, but wins. wins. But here you have Ohio State, who's been the, you know, probably the top team in the last 50 years in the Big Ten, I guess, if you want to categorize it in such a manner. And the audience was down. I I found it incredible because, you know, they had a quarterback that was in the contention for the Heisman last year. And they have players from all over the country, and they have the big name, uh, the Buckeyes. You know, they have a huge following. They're a, hu- a humongous university, 50-plus thousand, I believe it is, and that has been that way for a while. And the ratings were low. I, I don't quite find. I think people in 2020 were just tired. And, you know, Monday night, maybe that's not the best day to have, to have a game. Maybe that's not the best day to have a, a game on a Monday night where it goes past midnight or so on the East Coast. Yeah, I wasn't shocked by that for whatever reason. Maybe it's the pandemic. 
yeah. nothing nothing that's gone on over the past year in my mind I right. put total stock into because it's just so unusual yeah. in every way shape and form but yeah Ohio State they're a true brand if ever there was one like Alabama yeah. and uh, AP just to flip the script a little bit like you know I'm sitting there watching that and basically can't can't remember Ohio State ever being manhandled like that. I just yes, can't. Yes. You know, I, that's what I was thinking as I was watching that game. Like they were just getting, you know, run over. And if Devontae Smith hadn't gotten hurt, it might have even been worse. But you know, you ring up fifty plus points against Ohio State. That's yeah. uh, that. That's attention getting, to put it mildly. Um, I just don't yeah. remember really the last time we saw something like that. Uh, I know, well, I should, uh, the one game that came to mind, you'll remember it, was a few years ago when, you know, Clemson won, I believe, 31 nothing in the college football playoff. Um, right, right. Might have been Trevor Lawrence's freshman year, if I'm not mistaken, but whatever. It does happen, but uh, I, I think what stuck with me was, you know, giving up 50-plus points. That's highly unusual, <laughs> if not unheard of. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, um, John, I don't even recall, I have to check this, Alabama scoring points in the bowl game. I know 61, I think it's still the record or the margin, 61 to 6 over Syracuse in the 51 or 52 Orange Bowl. I think that's still the record, the margin of victory, and maybe for points. Well, it can't be the record for points in the bowl game because I remember when uh, I think West Virginia had 70 versus Clemson in the Orange Bowl, I think it was. Orange Bowl or Gator Bowl, yeah. And, uh, okay. John, we got a little new, news here. Uh, oh. I'm reading that Tennessee has fired Jeremy Pruitt. Wow. For cause. For cause? Oh, my. That's, yeah, that's what you mean. You don't bring in lawyers. Wins and losses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't bring in lawyers to your school to find something. If something is there, you say, come get us. And I'm saying to the NCA, you you say, come get us if you want us, if you think there's something that we violated, some rule we violated. So when you saw that with the lawyers coming to Tennessee hired by them, that was not a good sign. And then also, no. I'm just reading this headline. It says, Director of Athletics Phil Fulmer to retire. Oh, boy. That doesn't, that doesn't sound good. Boy, no, oh, boy. So... Tennessee continues to be in a state of flux, and I'm trying to put it as nice as I can. Right, right. Yeah, I hear you. Gee whiz, that's that's big news. Mm. I mean, Tennessee, you know, we talked about brands. They're a brand in and of themselves. uh, So that is really, uh, as they say on TV, more to come, to say the least. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, John, if if you have that intention, which they have now for a couple of months, they have. They must have a plan, and the only thing that could come up at the top of my head, and this may, you know, we'll see what will happen. Is they were gonna, they're gonna hire Hugh Freeze. He has a connection to Tennessee somehow. His wife is from there, or he, or whatever. I think they got married. There's something. There's something connection to Tennessee. Or brought in Kevin Steele last week to hire him as an assistant when there was a total freeze on hiring for four hundred fifty thousand dollars. He's a Tennessee graduate, played for Johnny Majors, I believe, as a linebacker, and maybe he's going to be the new head coach. Uh, maybe he's the defensive guy, and Hugh Freeze comes at the offensive co- you know, head coach. 
We just don't know. Maybe they've put T. Meyer, T. T. Martin in there, you know, the former uh, quarterback yeah. of Tennessee who brought Philip Fulmer the national championship and got right. him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's that. there on campus as well. So there's a number of scenarios. Well, well, that's going to bear bear watching, to put it mildly. I, I my my media background, and I'm sure yours too, uh, sends my antenna up. That there there could be a pretty big story brewing there. Um, but we yeah. shall see. And uh, AP, it's we need to take our final break here. So why don't we do that? Still a few more things to get to on the other side. But thanks for that breaking news. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are working on your path to enlightenment, may we suggest another guide point to help you get there. It's Soul Healing Conversations with your host, Roz Kincaid. Roz and her guests are making this show a safe place to find balance, healing, and transformation. You'll learn how to manifest the best version of your life. Make sure you join Roz every week for Soul Healing Conversations, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is obviously... NFL Championship Weekend. We have the Bucks 
and Brady versus Rodgers and the Packers at 3 p.m. Eastern this coming Sunday and followed by the Bills versus the Chiefs in Kansas City. Uh, AP, great weekend of NFL football. And uh, and I'm down here in the Tampa area. So Brady and Buck Mania is running rampant after last night where they slayed the Saints. And uh, Brady versus Rodgers at the Frozen Tundra. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, and John, I was just thinking of this as you mentioned those four teams are going to have the two veteran quarterbacks and the two uh, younger quarterbacks going against each other. So in the Super Bowl, be a younger quarterback versus a, a veteran quarterback. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, young gunslingers, and no better representation of that than, you know, in my mind, uh, Josh Allentown, right. or as they were saying, uh, showing in Buffalo the other night, which I love, Josh Allentown. I've spent some time in <laughs> Allentown, Pennsylvania, and so I, I enjoyed that immensely, quite frankly. And, uh, right, right. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes, having to leave yesterday's game with a concussion, obviously bears watching. Uh, to right. the nth degree, <laughs> maybe the most watched medical situation in sports in a while, and uh, and then but yeah. Brady Rogers, I mean, it's just going to be great, uh, you know. First time ever, Aaron Rodgers is home for a cha- conference championship game, and Tom Brady, as I've witnessed with my own eyes many times in Gillette Stadium, in my mind. Uh, on the list of greatest attributes, of which it seems endless with Brady, uh, the greatest snow player in NFL history, in my mind. I've seen it too many times right. in the yeah. snow, starting with the snow bowl, the tuck roll. I was there yeah. for that. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, John. Absolutely. And, and Tam- you think about it. Tampa Bay quarterback, perfect in Green Bay. Who would it, say it's, that? It's just amazing. Yes. Uh, you know, and... He and he alone is capable of dragging his entire team with him <laughs> psychologically to get over any frozen tundra itis, shall we say, that could exist with a team from Tampa. Right, yeah. And oh, by the way, throw Gronk in there. I've seen Gronk do some amazing things in bad weather as well. So uh, up in New England, he, so he, he's he, he's from he's from Buffalo, is he not? Great. There you go. You grew up in Buffalo. Yeah. So played high school so, football so went too, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, 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 and your two hot players, your two offensive players are from the cold weather. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's amazing. And uh, and then to top it all off, obviously, Rodgers plays well in the snow. And Rodgers and Brady, of course, both from right. California. You know, go figure. Both from California. Yes, yeah. California guys have really adapted. They truly have. And AP, speaking of the NFL, we cannot let the show pass without talking about Urban Meyer becoming the new coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's seismic news. I love it, personally. I I can't, you know, Urban Meyer is a very intriguing guy, and I can't wait to see how he does in the NFL. Yeah, John, you're thinking, is this for uh, the money? Uh, Obviously, that's important, or does he really want to be successful in the NFL? And And I heard his family likes Florida. So Jacksonville, you know, if it's not Tampa Bay, it's not Miami, it's Jacksonville. So you got three options there if they're available. And yep. you have the the luxury of taking the having the number one choice. And you have a lot of $100 million of cap space. So you can put together a team. You can probably 
uh, sign up for a lot of power on the decision making end with personnel, and uh, it'd be between you and the owner. If he's, you know, because they want to get to the Super Bowl, they Jacksonville's never been there. They've been close though a couple of times, right? Been close. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, this, yeah. So yes, they've been to championship games you can in build Foxborough twice in the last couple decades. Twice, right? Twice. Okay. Twice. Yeah. So yeah. you can you can win there, and uh, this owner's hungry. I mean, they're all most of them are in it to win it. Most of those owners, most of them, I say. And, absolutely. Um, you can build build a team and. Uh, you know, you could have, get something going here in a couple of years, two to three years. Yes, and we're coming to the end of the show, but uh, everything you said is 100% true. I couldn't agree more, all of it. AP, what I think is really at, uh, at the core of all this, I really believe this, is Trevor Lawrence. I just think he, everything is true, $100 million in cap space, all of it. Uh, but I just think Trevor Lawrence provide such an entree for you know urban meyer to walk into the league like you know the newness you know the he's a rookie just all of it like they, they're like they're gonna build something together i'll almost call it something like belichick brady-esque i i think that's it's all very intriguing the money to be that i'm sure he's getting all of it turn jacksonville from an outpost into you know a premier NFL city. Uh, you know, look at what Buffalo's experiencing right now. So that's my thought, AP. Uh, we shall see. But I just think the thought of teaming with Trevor Lawrence to build something special is really, really tugging at his heart and, and what might have been a key factor in him going. But we need to close it out. Yeah. Uh, we're out of show, but... You made such good points. There, there are a host of reasons why he's going there. Living in Florida, all of it is important. But we yeah. shall see, AP. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. And it's not an Ohio State quarterback. He has to select. Then have not had success, so he can take a Clemson quarterback. Yeah, that's a, that's intriguing too. It's intrigue all all the way around. AP, I want to thank you so much for giving us the uh, true feeling of what it's like for to be in Alabama as they win their sixth national championship under Saban and reflecting on the week you've had in the lifetime of watching Alabama football. And uh, just thank you for calling in and giving us your perspective as always. Hey, thank you, John. My pleasure. All right, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.